Hey, time to tee up some blues conversation. We'll do a double dip. We did this a couple weeks back with Craig Berube and Braden Shen. Played the coach and the captain back-to-back. These are recent visits I had with Joey Vitale, one of the voices of the blues. Been with 101 ESPN last number of years, but prior to that, played in the NHL. And this is his sixth year as part of the radio broadcast team alongside Chris Kerber. Came in at the right time. First year for Vitaly Blues, won the Stanley Cup. We'll also check in with Bernie Federko, the Blues Hall of Famer and longtime TV analyst. We get both of their takes on this team going into the season with low expectations. Yes, the Blues have played well the first two games. Before that, we sort of kicked around this idea that they might be the sixth or seventh best in their division. That's what most of the pundits, if you looked around, the expectation was low. Doug Armstrong didn't exactly get fans doing cartwheels. He said, well, maybe if we're lucky, we'll finish third in the division, which is probably realistic. So the conversation is all blues with Federko and Vitaly. We're coming to you from the Pasta House Studios, 19 area locations, and that includes the newest spot, corner of Manchester and Woodlawn. Food's always great, made fresh every day. Everything about it's great. The salad, the salad dressing, the cheese bread, just the regular bread itself pasta dishes this time of year you're on the run with the kids let pasta house do the cooking just order online pastahouse.com you will not be disappointed marie Villa senior living they're at the corner of clayton and weidman road whether it's your parents your grandparents aunt uncle starting to think about those retirement years check out this beautiful campus in west county they've been there since 1960 always festive that corner is always going with the fountains and Right now they've got the red truck out with pumpkins. It's got a great Halloween vibe. Then they'll put up the biggest Christmas tree in West County. That's coming in about a month from now. Great spot for your retirement years. Go online for a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A. mariedevilla.com. Triad Bank, one of our longtime sponsors here on all of our KillCoin conversations and podcasts. Going back to the Tony Talk with Tony LaRussa. Great St. Louis bank that's based here, started in 2005. Five-star rated bank for all your banking needs, but especially local business owners. Tired of getting the runaround for those national banks? Do some business with the folks that are based right here in town. So many local businesses have figured this out, that Triad Bank is the place to bank. It's triadbanking.com or stop by in person. Clayton Road in Frontenac, and then the second location, that's on Olive, just west of 270. Also, Appliance Discounters, theappliancediscounters.com, the website you get online. Looking for a washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator? Get in that search engine, type General Electric. A lot of great rebates available in addition to the lowest prices. They go to the big box stores, do the price checking for you so you don't have to, just to make sure you are, in fact, paying the lowest prices for those name brand products, theappliancediscounters.com. Let's lead it off with the Hall of Famer, the Kilcoin Conversation with Bernie Federko. I would think that you're a little pumped about this season ready to roll yet again. I am. Uh, last year was obviously a very disappointing season for the Blues, disappointing to watch. And, and I know that there's uh, just from watching training camp, uh, all the guys are, are pretty sour still about what the taste that they have in their mouth from last year. And I think they all want to go out there and prove that uh, last year was a, was a bad year and that they're going to get it back. So it should be really exciting. I think there's... Uh, a lot of good things that could happen this year. And how about them being below the radar? I've been talking to folks this week about it, that the pundits don't think much about the Blues. Do you think the current player 
pays attention to that or even I guarantee Baruby has no clue where they're picked. Do you think players care? The players really do care. I mean, I don't think they read all the stuff, but but I think they they get the feedback from from you know their families and whoever else is telling them what's going on. So uh, I'm sure that they they feel that same way. And and you know what I I think they just have enough pride in themselves too. And you know, anytime you're you're picked to to not be in the playoffs or not to be a part of the, the you know the run for the Stanley Cup, I think it kind of sours guys, and I think they want to prove uh, everybody wrong. So so certainly. Uh, I think that they're looking that way. And, and you know what, when you've got a Jordan Bennington, uh, you know, Martin, I, I looked at Jordan Bennington always as the, as the, the factor that can be in any game. Uh, he stole so many games in, in his career. And I, and I think that uh, if he gets back to where he is supposed to be and the defense starts uh, playing the way they can, uh, I think this team is, is really going to turn a lot of heads. And what did you think of Bennington last year? Because the number of nights, you know, he'd give up four or five, and I'd be at work saying he could have given up seven. I mean, even though – so I think if people just looked at his numbers, let's say they didn't watch a lot of Blues games the last year and a half, you'd say, boy, he's really dropped off. But I, I think the stats tell you that, but I feel like our eye says otherwise. I would totally agree with you. I think the pundits don't get to watch each and every night what we get to see. And, yes, there were games last year that it could have been 10 goals that could have went in, and he was absolutely outstanding. So uh, when I look at his numbers, and I've said that many times, when I've looked at his save percentage and his goals against, you know, don't put the blame on him because it could be a lot worse if he didn't play very well. So uh, I think it's a, it's a team effort that needs to be better. The defense have, have obviously got to be better than they were last year, but it's the forwards. It's a five-man unit. Uh, you can't leave the goaltender with the, you know, these great chances, these these point blank chances. You're not going to make the save on each and every one of them. So uh, if they can tighten that up uh, defensively, and, and hopefully, you know, with Mike Weber, the new uh, coach that is assistant coach that's helping out in defense, hopefully they're going to rectify that. And and certainly, I think that the numbers for Jordan Bennington will be much better because they certainly deserve to be. Doug Armstrong admitted on this show that he thinks last year part of the undoing was the money that was spent early on Kyra and Thomas, not out of jealousy, but just the sheer numbers games where guys whose contracts were up are looking around saying, okay, that's less for me, that's less for me. And you had a number of players who were able to walk. Eventually they all got traded before the deadline. Do you think that's plausible, that the talent was better for sure than what they showed last year, but things just sort of, I won't say rotten, that's too strong, but there was just something was off. Well, something was certainly off, and I, I don't think uh, that anybody can blame it really on on, on the signing of, of Cairo and Thomas. I mean, uh, both they're young kids, and, and it's the business, nature of the business now. So, I mean, if guys are looking at that, uh, they certainly are, are going to get themselves in, into a situation that they don't want to be in. But, uh, I mean, those are the two leaders on this hockey club. Those That's the new nucleus of this hockey club, and everybody has to understand that they're going to be built around those two. So, uh, hopefully those two prove uh, what they can do, and they continue to be that in the situation that they're going to be the nucleus, but, but certainly um, the uh, uh, other guys right now have got to play. And I, I mean, right now I look at there's, there's three really strong lines out there that, that are going to be able to back up uh, that first line. I think Bucinevich on that line with uh, Cairo and Thomas could be a line that could be one of the best in the league. And then when you've got, you know, the acquisition of Sunquist now getting him back, getting Hayes, you've got a couple of big guys at center ice, Braden Shen, uh, the other center icemen. So I think up the middle, they're pretty strong. And, and I think that they can do a lot of damage on the forward uh, situation. Both Cairo and Thomas, I mean, both had decent numbers stats-wise. You had Cairo was an all-star. But I do wonder a little bit for them if there was a little added pressure, a little awkwardness with the deals. Do you think they should be even at a different level this year? Are they ready to take it to that, quote, next level? 
I hope so, Martin. I mean, last year, really, they weren't under that contract. They had signed the contract, and it right. really doesn't kick into this year. So um, I think the pressure is more on them this year now. Um, yes, they had good numbers last year, but uh, obviously I think there was a lot of talk about uh, playing you know, the full 200-foot game. And I think Robert Thomas is, is going to be looked at that. He, he played an awful lot last year and played very well. I think Kyrie scored goals, but he's got to really clean up his defensive uh, effort as well. So um, those two, yeah, the pressure I think is more on them right now. But uh, I think that everybody that in, in that position, when you sign a deal like that, I think you want to have that pressure on you. You want to prove to everybody that, that you're worth the money. And, and certainly I think both those two kids want that. Uh, they've got to have a lot of pride in themselves. And um, they're, they're now the go-to guys, and, and now they got to get the job done. I think the Blues kicked the idea around to not have a captain. I mean, I think Doug Armstrong at least thought they should look into the idea. I got the sense all along that Craig Bruby wanted somebody wearing the C. Ultimately, you go to Braden Shen. Uh, he is from Saski, so I know Bernie's loyal to those guys from Saskatchewan. Chaser says they're the toughest. But give me a thought <laughs> on just whether – and you wore the C for the Blues. Give me a thought on – I don't know that it's a trend because it's not that many teams, but I just – I guess I don't understand why a team wouldn't want to have a captain. It's very unusual to not have a captain, and, and certainly Braden Shen is, is the perfect uh, uh, guy to, to be in that position. I mean, he wears his heart in the sleeve, anything that needs to be done – uh, for the team, he does it, whether it's dropping his gloves or saying the right thing at the right time and uh, his work in the community, everything. I mean, he's just a, a really good guy for the situation. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like the fact of having a captain. I mean, I think there's too much a lot of it brought into it, though, Martin, is because, I mean, everybody on that team has leadership qualities. So you certainly have to have one guy that you look to up to that, that can really uh, you know, be the go-to with the coach, with the with the management, or whatever that needs to be happening. But uh, everybody has the right to be uh, a captain in, in their own way in the locker room, whether that leadership in certain ways, whether it's on or off the ice. And and I think that Braden will be looking to everybody, to, especially the, the the older guys, the the veteran guys that that uh, have been around, that, that they've got to help out too. But certainly, as I just said, both Cairo and Thomas are are now. The nucleus guys now now they're going to start proving that they're going to be the leaders even though they're not wearing the C. Uh, they've got to be able to be leaders at certain times through the game. But uh, if you ask me, even even at the end of last year when Ryan O'Reilly was gone, uh, there's no question in my mind that that I felt that uh, Braden Shen should have been the guy to, to, to take the C. Is there a difference among Canadians when I say, okay, that guy's from Manitoba? No, that guy's from Alberta. That guy's from BC. No, he's an Ontario hockey guy. Oh, he's Saskatchewan. Is there a notable DNA difference? Can only Canadians tell? <laughs> well, well, I do. You know what? You mentioned Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and B.C. That's the West. When you mentioned those four, we're all from the West. Those are, we're, we're, we're kind of a different breed than the East. He starts in Ontario. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the difference is, but, but there is a little bit of difference because we play in the Western Hockey League. All of us come out of that, and, and I think the style of hockey is a little different in the West than it is in Ontario. Quebec has a different style. I mean, there's three major leagues. So uh, there is a little bit of difference, but you know what? No, when it's all said and done, uh, it's very interchangeable. There's certain guys that I'm sure uh, have qualities that would make them more of a Western or an Eastern, and it's kind of the way it is, but we kind of like to laugh about it. Uh, and I was going to say, when I think of like even Jaden Schwartz, Shen, yourself, like sensible. And then I started thinking of Kelly Chase. Like, I right, forget that. I'm throwing that out the window. I'm, I, I had a, I had a premise. I was workshopping my premise. <laughs> well, we get Twister in there too, so don't forget about him. 
Oh he, man, he'll take, care, he'll take care of the whole bunch for us. Oh boy, <laughs> we're going to end up in the psychiatrist lab. Uh, all right, Bernie Federico, our guest, the Blues Hall of Famer. Of course, you can see him on the coverage. Bally Sports Midwest. It is opening night. Blues and Stars. Doug Armstrong pretty open about it, where he says, you know, Dallas and Colorado, those are the top two teams. Maybe we can finish third. Uh, we want to be in that middle group of teams. We're not at the bottom. We're not at the top. I think it's pretty honest for a GM to come out and say, you know, hey, maybe we'll finish third. I I don't know how many times I've heard that from a coach or a GM. Well, you want to finish as high as you can. And I think Doug is being very honest, and I think we all know. I mean, I think I don't want a few to call hockey experts. Anybody that watch hockey can see that uh, Colorado and Dallas are, are really the, the cream of the crop right now in the, in the central division. So, But everybody else, I think, is still in transition. And I think Doug said it very well with, you know, with, with you got Minnesota – of course, is, is you know was was a good team last year. They've got a, a lot of good players, but you know Nashville's in transition. You know the Blues have, have really uh, you know made a few changes, but uh, I think that they've got a, a lot to prove from not making the playoffs last year. You know, and then you go on to you know see what what was going on uh, in the rest of the division. You know, who knows what can happen? Chicago, when, when you know they won two first one of their two games already on the road. Uh, Bedard looks like a pretty good player, so uh, they're going to be all battling. But you know, I, you know what? You certainly don't want to set your sights low, uh, but I think you have to be realistic. And, and I think if the Blues, it's a good spot if they can challenge for a, a, you know a third spot in in the conference in the division. I should say uh, there's still two wild cards as well to go with that, and and I think that's uh, really a, a great uh, uh, point to start searching for and, and and striving for. And I think that uh, Doug has given uh, you know really the team. Uh, something to look forward to. A lot of talk about the Blues having a new style or a new scheme. Or Explain a little bit, and I've heard, I think really what ticked off Chief last year is all those goals from in the slot, people just kind of camping out in front. What, what do you think, will fans notice defensively or what this new style is? You know, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure what the new style is. Uh, you know, we really haven't seen the whole team together other than that game in Dallas, and I didn't see that uh, um, but but uh, I think it's just more accountability, uh, Martin. I, I think that everybody has got to beat the player across from them. And I think uh, if you're out working the guy that you're playing against, uh, you're going to have greater success. And I think especially in the defensive zone, um, you know, you can't get outnumbered. You've got to really clog up the middle. You've got to do those little things to, to make sure that there's not an extra rebound. And that means that, uh, you know, the defense that are maybe not the biggest defense still got to be a little stronger. The, the bigger guys have got to be really strong, and certainly the forwards have got to come back and, and help out in the defensive zone. So uh, I'm sure that that's kind of what they've been talking about, but I think it's more of a matter of it's a work ethic. And I always say, you know, you, can, you can't teach goal scoring, but you can certainly teach defense because defense usually is just hard work, and, and I think the Blues have really got to get back into that. And I think when we go back to 2019, I don't know if this team was the most – uh, talented team in the league, but they won the, the Stanley Cup because they outworked other teams and they, they wanted it more. And I think that desire and accountability has to come back uh, into the squad. And that's certainly, we know that that's what Chief's philosophy is. And uh, if he can get everybody to buy into that, uh, then this team will get back to being their, their their good successes. Does the game itself go in cycles? Remember, everybody would talk about the neutral zone trap, and then we had clutching and grabbing, and then it seems a little more open now. Does it sort of trend up and down in terms of there's a lot of room on the ice, or now there's no room on the ice? Is it team to team, or is there a league-wide theme each year? I believe that it's it's really kind of starts as team to team, but then becomes league wide, and and I think it's always been that way in the league. As soon as somebody changes their style and has success with it, everybody seems to follow 
uh, in suit. And I think that uh, that's been happening. You know, if you go back maybe five or six years ago, the, the, the little guys couldn't play in the league. And now there's more and more smaller guys with great speed. Uh, and now all of a sudden we're seeing some bigger guys, you know, coming back in. So, I mean, the, 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 the league seems to be always in transition, but I always believe that once one team finds success that everybody follows suit. So uh, we'll see what the next trend is and see where it goes. A thousand career games for Bernie Federico. Nice even number there. What do you miss about it? And when you're there on game day, maybe even at a morning skate, everybody's having coffee. Do you just ever get the itch like, oh, man, I wish I was playing again. Does that ever leave you? No, it never does. I mean, I, I, hey, I, I don't miss practice or training camp or any of that stuff for the travel. But uh, when, when the game starts at 7 o'clock, yeah, I think I'd always love to be out there. Um, you know, I, I see myself in certain situations out there and what I would have done differently. And you, you kind of um, you have your inside thoughts that, that they're always there. So, yeah, I, I, I love the game. I love uh, watching the game. I love the way the plays are set up. And it's, it's just uh, it's, a, it's still very uh, – much intrigues me each and every night that I watch it. But uh, certainly I miss uh, (laughs) the playing part of it, but not what goes in to make you play. And and, uh, it'll always be that way. And it's funny. We all talk about the old days and the old barn and all these old buildings. Now they all sort of look the same, but boy, the amenities sure are nice when you're a fan or you're a broadcaster back in the old days in the arena days. Did you, did you get the charm of it? I mean, we talk about it now with such nostalgia, but how about as a player? We're like, Oh my God, the plumbing's overflowing. I mean, was, was it that romantic when you're a player at the time? It still was romantic back then for us because we really didn't see all that stuff. You know, we were out there and there was, you know, whether it was 15 or 20,000 people watching and screaming and cheering. So you really, uh, uh, you really didn't even pay any attention to that. I think that uh, you didn't know any better. That's kind of the way it was uh, all the way through the league. And uh, now you notice it. I mean, of course, it's so much different now. It's, uh, you know, with charter flights and, you know, Ritz Carlton for the guys and, you know, everything is, is first class and, and of course, the buildings are beautiful, and there's uh, all kinds of skyboxes and clubs and this and that. But uh, I think it's just been really, really uh, spectacular for the way that uh, hockey has been really uh, made, you know, such a, a big step, in, in, especially in the market here in the United States. And, and uh, to see all these uh, new buildings and, and, and all the stuff that goes with it, uh, and, and just the, the great amount of fans that we have now that, that love the game and are hooked on the game, I, I think it's not only fantastic for the league, but it's certainly fantastic for the players. And it was always fantastic for the players when we played because we didn't notice anything else. And it's still just great to see. Can you imagine Harry Ernest if we had told him, hey, players are going to be on private planes, staying at the Ritz. I mean, this, <laughs> not only has this franchise come a long way, the game has, it's changed. Uh, how about a final thought for you, you just all these years, uh, associated with the Blues and, and as an ambassador, and you, you still look great, so you're recognizable. How much fun do you do you have with engaging with the fans, especially now this season's back? You know, I love it. I've said it many times, Martin, is that I owe everything that I have to, to the game of hockey and certainly to the St. Louis Blues. This is where I started. This is where I'm still now. And I, I've been really, really fortunate and you know, to have my family grow up here, the kids and everything, and uh, Bernadette and I love it here, and we've made so many good friends, and Hey, hockey's my life, and I don't ever mind anybody coming up to me, whether they, it's in the middle of dinner or whatever, and saying hello and, and talking hockey. So that's kind of my life, and it always will be. And 
And I really look forward to the start of the season once again. And now a grandpa, babysitting Bernie. I know we were trying to connect the other day, and uh, the Hall of Famers said, "Hold on, Martin, I'm with my grandkids." That's are they? Are, tell me, you gave those kids little sticks? I'm sure already, right? Hockey sticks? No, no, not yet. Not They're yet. little girls. I'll let them choose that on their own. Okay. There's... They'll they'll do as they please, but we're we're having a blast with them. They're they're really not well. They're uh, what twenty one months and, and and a year old now. The two of them, so they're they're not very old to to get into that stuff yet. But there is a hockey stick around here. That in fact, yesterday one of the little girls, uh, Barrett, picked up the the hockey stick and kind of hit a couple of balls with it. So I, I, it was very interesting to sit. She actually found one in the in the library that there was a little old stick that was in there. Could, could be the next Menon Rayom. You never know. Hey, Bernie, thanks so much for hopping on. Looking forward to seeing you down at the rink. Martin, always a pleasure. You take care. And right now in the Kill Coin Conversation, we're going to talk to a fellow cadet, Joey Vitale, part of the Blues broadcast. He's going into his sixth year, if I've done my math correctly. Uh, unbelievable that this is year six for one of the voices of your St. Louis Blues. Are you fired up? You're always fired up. Are you raring to go? Uh, I am so raring to go, Marty, uh, fellow cadet as well. And, I, again, six years, geez, I, I don't know how I've gotten away with some of the things I've said on the air to this point. To me, uh, HR has called me a couple times here and there, but no big calls from Tom Stillman or Chris Zimmerman just yet. So I don't know if it's maybe I haven't pushed it enough or maybe no one's listening, but certainly at the same time, I'm very excited to get started my sixth season here. How much coaching have you got? Because you, you are a personality and you do have fun. You and Curbs jack around a little bit when it's appropriate and just kind of get off on random topics, which I enjoy. That's usually when I text you from my car. But how much feedback do you get? And when, you, when you've never been a, quote, broadcaster, where do you turn for input? You know, it's interesting, uh, Marty. At the beginning, you know, I was surrounded by great people, of course. And, you know, I know I'm a bit biased here, but we really – we really had, and I think still have, like the greatest, you know, announcers, great you know, color guys. You know, to me, I walked in with sitting by Darren Pang on the flight. And of course, Darren, Darren Pang is doing national games to kind of give you an idea. He's one of the best in the business. So I feel like the red carpet kind of got rolled out for me. And I just got so lucky, so fortunate to, to have Darren as, as a partner, not only traveling with him, but sitting by him on planes picking his brain, looking at his notebook, you know, what does he see, what did he like, you know, a simple tip like, hey, don't just talk about what we just saw, try to get ahead of it. And sometimes you're going to be wrong, but try, try to always look ahead. Give the listener or the viewer something that could happen. And again, you're not always going to hit on the mark, but every now and then you will, and you're going to look like a genius. So, you know, little things like that. And of course, you know, Chris Kerber, he, he just tees it up for everyone that, that joins along the way. And of course, there were big shoes to fill when, when Kelly Chase stepped aside. I told myself there's no way to be a Kelly Chase. The only there's, there's only one Joe Vitale out there, and, and there's no one that's better at being a Joe Vitale than Joe Vitale. So just go out there and, and be yourself. Uh, it was drinking water from a fire hydrant in the first year, I will say that. And I remember at one point I was so overwhelmed with all the information. I just talked to my wife, and she could sense that I was definitely not feeling my groove, and she just said, enough, stop worrying about what everyone else is thinking and saying. Just go out there and beat you. So there were some stumbling stones along the way, but at the end of the day, I'm on the air, and I'm just talking hockey with Kerber. I, it's like just, I feel like we're sitting down at a couch, we're cracking open a Budweiser, and we're just talking hockey through the game. And sometimes I do forget I'm actually on the air, and I think that's the best radio, when you're just talking to your partner, you're talking to your friend about what's happening in the game, and, of course, making sure the language is clean. But at the end of the day, hopefully it, it translates well to the listeners. 
The language is always clean until you start telling Whitey Herzog stories. Then, then it gets a little risque. What the old, well, the white rat might have told you as a young kid something about martinis. And anyway, I won't get you in trouble by bringing that up. I do. I've mentioned this to people. I do feel like you played for the Blues, even though you didn't. I know you're a St. Louis kid who played in the NHL. Uh, might know Sidney Crosby. I don't know if that ever comes up. But does isn't it weird? Like, I mean, at this point, you are part of the Blues fabric. Yeah, it really is, and thanks for not putting me in a bad spot with my Whitey Herzog story. Uh, but yeah, he definitely, he definitely caught me for a loop there as we were fishing that one day and talking about martinis and how it relates to the women, women frame. I'll, I'll leave it at that. But you know, I, yeah, again, I, I grew up in St. Louis and I played for the AAA Blues and the Junior Blues, and then of course going to CBC. And I decided to not go play juniors and leave early. I decided to graduate from St. Louis, and and I had no idea, you know, where it would take me. I was very lucky to, to fall into Northeastern and, and get a great playing opportunity there. Pittsburgh, I don't know why they drafted me in the same year Sidney Crosby did. And it, and it just kind of kept building. And it was a wonderful 10-year pro career. And when I got kind of knocked out to end of my career in 2015, when I returned home, I just, to me, it was, there, was no, there was no question. At the time, my wife and I had three children, but we wanted to be in St. Louis. This is where all my people are, my family and my friends, my, my community. This is the place I love. But like you said, it's, I'd never played for the Blue Note, although I heard later down the road that Al McGinnis always wanted to sign me as a free agent, but it just never worked out. I wish I would have known that, you know, seven, eight years ago, and I would have loved to come home and, and play for the Blue Note. But at this point, you mentioned six years now in the Blues, being around this team, being around, you know, Doug Armstrong, Keith Kachuk, and, you know, Al McGinnis, and just, you know, seeing the owners, and Doug Armstrong, and Tom Stillman. I really do. I feel like it's family. I feel like I'm just a part of it now. I'm so so woven into the, the fabric that is the St. Louis Blues, and I just take a lot of pride in that. And it's, it's truly an honor. Again, sometimes I pinch myself. It's an honor to call these games and, and to be a part of this whole storyline, which we'll see as it unveils in the 2023-2024 season starting tomorrow night. Yeah, Blues broadcaster Joy Vitale, the guest. You can hear him on 101 ESPN alongside Chris Kerber. Let's talk about the team. It seems below the radar is more than a fair description I actually looked at some of the pundits, some of the magazines and all of that, and they've got the Blues either fifth or sixth or seventh in their division. Expectations are low, which I think is kind of strange around here. Very low. And what I will say to all that uh, is, is I kind of tailor into a conversation I had with Tori Krug is it's, it's really hard to predict the sport of hockey nowadays. And what I mean by that is this. you know, Tori Krug and I were talking you know, a couple weeks ago we were talking about 2010, 2011. We both practiced for the league at the same time. Back in 2010, and, and certainly before that with the NHL, you know, Marty, there were there were times you would go on road trips and you would just almost guarantee a victory. Like I remember the days in, back in 2011 where you go down to Florida against the Panthers and you could literally play like 50% and you're still going to win that game. Or go to Arizona, it's almost a sure victory. Now you, you fast forward to where the game is at right now. You know, and these are these are Tory Cruz words someone who lived through the different decades, he said it is really, really hard to win hockey games. And he is not wrong at all. I mean, it is a difficult thing to do is win hockey games in this league. I don't care if you're playing the Panthers, which, of course, now they went to the Stanley Cup Championship last year, or you're playing the best of the best in the Boston Bruins. Every single night, you honestly have no idea who's going to win. So I say that because all these you know, predictions and all these quote-unquote experts and, and the way they see this year falling out, I mean, who knows? I mean, who had the Florida Panthers going to the Stanley Cup final last year? I mean, th- this game is so wide open, and I know that you look at the experts, and it's interesting reads, and 
I think if anything, it's a positive now because the Blues are looking at this like they have something to prove. They have a chip on their shoulder. And I'm telling you right now, I'm not just saying this because I'm a broadcaster here, but I'm watching this team. I'm, I'm talking to these players. I feel the energy. I feel the business-like approach. This is a different preseason. It was a different two weeks than I've seen in the past. It was more, you know, goody-goody and goofing around and messing around with guys and, and jokes on the side. This was such a poised, business-like preseason. I think with a couple of the, the, the defensive schemes they're going to adjust heading into tomorrow night, I do think this team can really start out and just go on a complete great run to start this season. They're going to run into their bumps and bruises. But this is the team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot in March and April, no doubt about it. I feel like they wanted to add some grit. They did that with Kevin Hayes. They did did that with Sunquist. I feel like they – and even Armstrong sat in the studio with me, and we had Chief on the show, and they both – basically admitted, yeah, we have lost a little bit of our physical edge. And I think it was over time when Maroon leaves and Petro leaves and then Perron leaves. It just slowly happened. All those guys had a little bit of an edge. And I feel like Chief, as much as anyone, wants a team that's – and I'm not talking about being meatheads, but do you think they've purposefully added some grit? Yeah, I would almost call it like competitive personality. You know, that, that's what I've been kind of identifying, identifying it as, is competitive personalities. Where you look at Pat Maroon, he was a competitive son of a gun. He couldn't do everything on the ice, but he wanted it. You know, the one competitive personality that people don't talk enough about, and I heard this in Chief's words last year because how much they missed him, was David Perron. I mean, coming into last season as Perron moved on to Detroit, he, he was a major missing piece of this puzzle not only because of what he did for Ryan O'Reilly, but you look in the offensive zone, we just started losing puck battles. We were so one and done in the offensive zone last year, and it was David Perron with just that competitive personality that this is my puck. You may have stripped it from me, but I'm going to get it back. Like that attitude, I think that the Blues have been missing here for a little while. And you bring up a good point. You lose a little bit with Petro, and then all of a sudden Dave Bowmeister goes down, and then Alexander Steen retires. And then here goes Perron, and now Ryan O'Reilly's gone. I mean, you're right. You're missing a lot of that. So what do they do in the offseason? I think they've added two major pieces to replace what I call that competitive personality. One, of course, being in Kevin Hayes. Uh, terrific personality. You look at the practice facility in Centene. They put him in a perfect seat. He's right in the middle of the room. He's going to do wonders for the team as they approach the 82-game season. You need personalities like that. Uh, and then on the second one, of course, Oscar Sundquist as he returns to St. Louis. I talked to him last week in Dallas, uh, second-to-last preseason game. He looked terrific. I told him, you look terrific. How do you feel? And he said this is the best he's felt since entering the 2018-2019 season. Now, remember, Marty, he had double hip surgery and a knee procedure all in the same offseason as he entered into the 2021 season. Was never the same, never looked good, never looked steady, lost the pace, and that's when, of course, we dealt him at the deadline to Detroit. Went to Detroit, spent a little time in Minnesota, and now he's returned, and he looks about as young and as fresh as that 18 season. He told me it was simply just a matter of he needed a full summer, a full summer to recover from the three different procedures he had entering that 21 season. So certainly with those two added competitive pieces, I think this is a team that is transitioning, uh, starting to go in the right direction now. And I know it's not just on the blue line, but if you think about the defensemen they have, the names on their jerseys, that's a lot of money back there. There's a lot of big names between Pareko and Falk and Krug and Letty. Do you think collectively they were a little embarrassed last year? And It's not all their fault. We know that. Everyone else, the forwards have to do a lot more. But 
you think as a group they're highly motivated to show that you know, last year defensively this is a bad team? How much do you think they own that? I think they own it completely. Uh, like you mentioned, they're not they're not spring chickens anymore. This is the top four we have. This may be the most veteran presence top four in the entire National Hockey League. I mean, I mean, you look at Nick Levy's amount of games he has, Colton Prague with Justin Falk and Troy Crew. Just those four alone, don't forget about Robert Bortuzzo, who I'll kind of put on that sixth spot. These guys have gone the distance for a very long time in the National Hockey League. So one is they were embarrassed. They're going to come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and number two, I think, I think the biggest thing is I think they have the right pieces in place now where I think it's all going to come together. And I think it starts with Mike Weber, the defensive coach. I love Mike Van Ryan. He was a super smart coach. I personally think Mike Van Ryan was a head coach. I think he was a great head coach in the Arizona organization in the American Hockey League. Uh, to me, his personality suits him better as a head coach. He kind of takes on that, that head coach personality. He gets a little pissed. He gets a little, little gritty. He gets a little moody, right? As an assistant, especially for a group of guys that have this much veteran presence, I think you need more of a Mike Weber type. And what I mean by that is someone who just kind of is going to sit back and let these guys kind of kind of consult themselves, if you will. Like, this is their decor. You guys know what you're doing. You've played more games than me. You have more experience than me. I'm just going to be here as a consultant to help guide you, but this is your squad back there. Go out there and take it. I think that that's the type of personality they need behind the bench for this group. You combine that with the new defensive scheme we're going to see and the Blue fans will see on Saturday versus Seattle Kraken for the first time, a very more pa- much more passive, more laid-back, Sit back defensive style, and you would think that'd be a bad thing, but it's actually a much better thing. They're protecting from the inside out. Bodies are in the middle of the ice. They're not allowing anything in the front. They're not allowing any passes to go through this little box. We'll call it between the top of the top of the circles, the top of the hash marks, down to the crease. That's all going to be taken away. It's a much easier approach for this veteran group who is a little bit older, but they're going to have more of a stay home, a stay home approach. Now at times. Yes, you will have an offensive team, and they will spend time in your in their offensive zone, your defensive zone, and they have to be okay with that. You got to be willing to block shots, and you have to be willing for them just to hang on to it in the perimeter. But the only chances they're hoping to allow right now are perimeter shots, shots from the point, shots from the half wall. And at the end of the day, if you have enough guys in front and you're boxing out, you allow your goalie to see those shots, and it should be a very frustrating style of play. So, new coach, new scheme. And the veteran presence back there, I'm telling you, this, this really could be a 180 switch for this defensive group coming into the season. Joy Vitale, our guest. We talk about Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas. These are guys who are going to be here for a decade. Got the big contracts. Both had good seasons numbers-wise. Where, where do they go from here? How do you? Is there an age where you just sort of get it and like you know play the complete game or whatever the cliche is? What do you think they, those two need to do this year to, for this whole team to improve? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, Jordan Kyrie, of course, leading in scoring last year. I think he can get to 40 this year. I think when the next couple of years he could become a 50-goal scorer. Uh, he's that elite. He has that great of a shot. He's that elusive. And he's really, really hard to defend. So I will say that. I think Robert Thomas can be pushing, knock at the door, 80 points this season. I think eventually it will be a 90-point. Can he hit 100 one day? I do think he can. So to me, that, that's their ceiling uh, as this year. I think if Kyrie gets 40 – Thomas can get 80 points, and of course, Kyrie 40 goals, and then Thomas 80 points. I think that'd be a good, a good bar for both of them personally. In their growth, what I've noticed since they come in, we both came in at the same time. Robert Thomas was a rookie when I was a rookie, so I remember seeing this young boy, and I, I watched him kind of grow up into this, into this league and, and mature to become a pro. Kyrie the same way. 
like most young kids, they come in. And when you're playing the game, you know, before pro, you make a play, you make a move on the ice. If it doesn't work out, oh, well, it didn't work out. That's how every level is until you get to the NHL. Now, the maturity level, the maturity factor, I will call it, for these young kids, like every other kid that learns this, sometimes they learn it in a year, sometimes it takes half a decade, sometimes it takes 10 years, sometimes kids never learn it. But what they learn is, if I make this move or I make this play and it doesn't work out, it's not just, oh, well, that has a ripple effect, not only on your line mates, not only on that shift, but actually into the entire game. So when you mature from being a rookie into where I believe Thomas and Cairo are really starting to ascend to is that idea that every play matters, not just for the play in that moment itself, but for that ripple effect on how it affects the entire game. And you see that with their, their management of the game. You see that with what they're doing now with pucks. They're being more responsible. This is the most I've seen Robert Thomas shoot the puck in preseason. Remember, he was always a disher. He was always a distributor. He has shot more pucks in this preseason. He's been rewarded for it. So, again, those you see these little things happening. You're like, wow, this kid's really starting to understand. He's starting to get that everything he does has, has a major effect on not only that shift but the rest of the game. And to me, that's that maturity switch that we're really starting to see with those two young men. All right, I know you got some pasta to get to in Dallas. Let's finish with this. Give me a name we're not talking about, whether it's a, a player that's been here or somebody new. Who should we be talking more about that's on this roster that maybe is a little too below the radar as a player? The I think the success on whether this team makes the playoffs or not, the success of the season, and I would never tell this young man this because I wouldn't want to put the pressure on his shoulder, but I think he could handle it, though. I think the success of the season really will boil down to Joe Holbrook backup pole center. I think you look at last year, Thomas Price came in as a backup. He didn't really provide what a team needs. As a backup, you know, you got to play 30 games. You know, let's say uh, you got to have a, a 20 and 10 type of record in order for a team to really be successful. One of the areas in the downfalls of St. Louis last year, I've heard this from the coaches themselves, was Jordan Bennington got tired. But they had to use him a ton because Thomas Grice was not providing what the team needed. He wasn't providing the points they needed. So they had to keep going back to the starter. Jordan Bennington is not overly big. He's not overly strong. He doesn't push all that well, especially as the season procrastinates and keeps going. If you have him play six out of seven games, eight out of nine games, he's going to get worn out. I think he got worn out last year. So this is, to me, why the wild card is going to be Joel Hofer. Can Joel Hofer come in, play as steady as we've seen him, and can he really grab points and almost at times maybe take over the net where you get Bennington maybe three, four games off where Joel Holfer is, is doing that well. To me, I think when the Blues were the best, it was when they had Huso and Bennington, both kind of bona fide starters in the league. I think it's good competition, healthy competition, and you have, you have the confidence by putting your back up and Hofer in, you're going to get points that night. So to me, that, that is going to be the key, and that's going to keep your, your starting goal tenor and Bennington fresh. And if they can do that and continue with this defensive scheme, that this could be the biggest surprising team. I still believe it is. I think this could be the biggest surprising team in the National Hockey League. That is a great take, Joey Vitale. Here, here's my ego in play. Joe uh, Hofer, last week at practice, I thought, I'm going to talk to this kid who we really haven't done much on, and he's got a, a key role, as you point out. And I said, do you have a second? He said, sure. This is the day they're going to Columbus. But he, he says, hold on. He's packing his bag. He's got to put everything in this bag. And for a minute, I thought, am I getting big-timed by the backup goalie? And then I, re I realized 
he doesn't want to get in trouble because he's still a rookie and like he wants his bag ready. So when they start loading the bus, like he wants to talk to us and be polite, but damn it, he's got to get his bag ready for the trip or he's going to get busted. So I had to put my own ego at check there for the young man who was a very polite interview and a good kid. So that's a, that's a very interesting take. I'm clipping and saving that Vitaly told us one of the keys is in fact Joel Hofer. That's a great point. Buddy, great hey. to have you on the show. I wasn't a CBC a Hall of Famer for nothing, okay? I, I, I know a couple things here and there. Every once in a while. All right, go get yourself some pasta. We'll talk soon. All right, Marty. Always a pleasure. So much fun to have the hockey season back up and running. It's always a sign that the fall is here when we start having Blues regular season games. And then, you know, the winter is not far away. But looking forward to all of our hockey coverage this season. A couple of different things that we're working on. But whenever possible, we'll roll out. Our hockey guest for you on the Kilcoin Conversation. You can find us on Spotify and iTunes, scoopswithdannymac.com. And we have some loyal subscribers. If you listen and you like the content, just subscribe. That's real simple. Also, Dan and I do Great Talk every Monday. You can find that on all the same outlets. Great Talk with Martin and Dan McLaughlin. A lot of great feedback on that as well. So we appreciate you checking out our segments. Coming to you from the Pasta House Studios. So many great meals. The hardest thing to do when you go to the pasta house is to pick out your your entree, your item, because you're looking, that sounds good. No, no, that sounds, God, I was going to get lasagna, but now I'm thinking about pasta con broccoli. Wait a minute, no, well, maybe pizza. It's all good. It's that simple. If you haven't been in a while, get back to your neighborhood pasta house. There's 19 of them around the St. Louis area, and you can order online. Get it to go, pastahouse.com. Marita Villa Senior Living, corner of Clayton and Wideman Road. Love talking to Red Shandings for all those years about his house. He had a villa, so you can have all levels of care. You can live on your own in one of the villas, but you still have access to the clubhouse, all the amenities, all the great food, or assisted living. Whatever level of care you or your loved one is looking for, they have it at Marie de Villa. MarieDevilla.com is where you can take a virtual tour. Appliance discounters. Yes, the lowest prices on the biggest names, but also a great service team. If your washer, dryer, stove, refrigerator is acting up, they can get somebody out there quickly. My guy Sean will probably be the one doing the repairs. He's unbelievable. He can fix everything. So for service needs as well, it's appliance discounters. And if you're in the market for a kitchen item, washer, dryer, or an entire kitchen, they can do all of it. Theappliancediscounters.com. And Triad Bank, our good friend Jim Rang is the CEO. When I talk about a guy with St. Louis roots, how about the fact that he went to Rosary High School and then he went to Umsel? That's as St. Louis as it gets. Triadbanking.com is their website or stop by and see him. Clayton Road in Frontenac, Olive just west of 270. Two different locations, but the same idea. Neighborhood-friendly bank. Five-star rated bank. If you're not happy with your bank, it's time to check out the folks at Triad Bank. I'm Martin Kilcoin. Thanks for tuning in to the Kilcoin Conversation.